Kermit the Frog here. Yeah, bud. <laughs> Took me off guard. Mayweather. Joe Blow Horror Show, where we review, rate, discuss, and break down horror movies, not horror films. Coming at you with, I would say, our first real fall wintry episode. We hit October pretty hard with a bunch of special bonus episodes, fireside chats. I am accompanied by Tibu, like always. Sir? How have you been? How are you? Well, I'm better now that I'm home. So on tonight's episode, if I'm not as high energy or rambly as normal, forgive me. I worked a 12 plus hour shift today, um, re-rocking and dressing a site for a cell phone tower. So physically drained. And then I drove three hours to come home, but I'm home, had a good supper. I'm ready to rock and roll, man. How you doing? Where Where are you at over there? Looking kind of badass where where you are. Yes, so this is going to be a little bit of a different type or style of episode. So I will preface this by saying um, the sound quality might not be where it's been the last few episodes. I am actually up on a hunting trip in northern Minnesota, and I am on at a cabin right on the Canadian border, um, and the internet is actually satellite internet, so... I don't know how spotty that's going to be or how well it's going to work. I hope everything works out. And I, too, may not be on my A game because I got about a four-hour nap last night, hunted all day today, and it's 10.30 p.m., and we're just getting this rolling. So, And I got to get up tomorrow morning at 5. So bear with us, but that's not going to take away anything from this episode we have. I'm excited. This is going to be our first foray back into the fold of traditional episodes. Uh, Just a little recap. I know it's been a while since we kind of talked about this, but for those new tuning in, what we do is we cover one older and one newer episode or movie each episode. Our older movie is going to be uh, uh, 94 and earlier. Newer movie is going to be 95 and newer. We go full spoilers. We throw in a lot of fun segments and whatnot as well too. While we're on this tangent here, just some quick housekeeping for a couple seconds. Get on the social media. Follow us. Uh, We are on Twitter. Uh, not too active, but I do post our episode updates and some hint stuff, and I share some stuff every once in a while. We're on Facebook. I share stuff on Facebook as well. Most importantly, follow us on Slasher. Pretty active on Slasher, uh, posting stuff as well. A lot of user interface in there as well, too. And we finally... Yeah, man. What's that? Slasher's where it's at, dude. I love oh, that yeah. app. I'm not, yeah. I'm not on it enough because I... I been away at work but 
anyone out there who's a fan of horror, if you don't try this app out, I mean, you're missing out for real. It's it's just all horror all the fucking time. It's 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 really cool. People make some awesome and sometimes funny shit on there. Yeah, I mean, it's think of Facebook, but just straight horror themed and no no bullshit. I mean, you're there's there's it's pretty much there's horror no, for the most part. There's no pansy no ass fucking bullshit on there, dude. Yeah, there's no there's no political bullshit. It's 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 basically mostly horror themed. Everybody on there is actually really cool, and they keep it, you know, horror themed. Uh, so check it out for sure. Lastly, I hate pimping myself out like this, but get on your reviews, your catch podcatcher reviews. Google, uh, uh, I I what the hell is the iPhone? Why can't I? Apple Apple Podcast. Apple. God. Mm-hmm. Apple Podcast. Give us a five star rating and review. Helps get our show out there for other listeners to to have fun and enjoy. Lastly, with the housekeeping, we finally have someone who really wanted that book. We had someone reach out to us. Trevor Blanchard reached out and he was talking about his favorite movies. He cannot come up with just one movie, so he gave us a bunch of uh, them. So what, some of his favorites include Stephen King's It. Um, he, he really liked the original, but he also liked the remake as well. Seven aliens with an S. So he didn't say alien. So he might, he, he's one of those that likes the sequel better. He likes the conjuring one and two evil dead and exorcist. He also was asking me for a recommendation for whiskey. So even though we drink beer for the most part with the show, I am a bit of a, Whiskey connoisseur, uh, obviously, as you've known a few shows ago, I sent Tibu a bottle of Templeton Rye, which is my favorite. But shit was delicious. Yes, Trevor, if you ever run across Templeton Rye, which you probably won't, because I think you're not in the Midwest, um, I would say Four Roses is is pretty solid, and Monkey Shoulder, I like those quite a bit, and I think those are more widely available. So. But anyways, Trevor is going to be getting a copy of the Ultimate Zombie Movie uh, Book slash Guide. So uh, that'll be fun for him to um, enjoy. And once you get that book, you have to uh, pick out a movie from there and tell us about it. I want to hear something. You're getting a free book. You got to let us know how it is. So anyways, anything from you, Tibu, before we really get... Our, our, our dip our nuts in this uh, bathwater here. <laughs> no, congratulations, man. That, that, that book seems really awesome. And yeah, please write, write in an, uh, an email and let us know what movie in the book interested you. And, and yeah, tell us, tell us about it. For sure. Um, I, I gotta say though, man, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, one movie that features uh, a certain entity that's also featured in our discussion topic and all, all the thought, the thought of this creature, this entity, this energy, whatever it might be. It's, uh, it's getting me kind of thirsty because I feel the flames of hell licking at my feet. They're licking at your feet. They're licking at my balls. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's douse this flame out with some beer and head into the Teddy Twister.
for slashing pussy in half. Give us an upper on our best selection of pussy. This is a pussy blowout. All right, we got white pussy, black pussy, Spanish pussy, yellow pussy. We got hot pussy. All right, all right. Come on in. Beers cold, taps are flowing. What do we have on tap? Tibu, I am going to guess that you're drinking some sort of coffee. Is that correct? Yeah, I know. I can hear, like, the whole bar turning and booing at me right now. Yeah. Um, as I said, I'm kind of beat tonight. Um, so in order to stay awake and alert and engaged, I'm drinking some uh, Starbucks peppermint mocha. I know, la di da. Very nice, very nice. With some whiskey in there, we'll pretend. We're pretending, yes. We're pretending, pretending. I have some rare and rebel or something. I, you know what I did have last night, though? This might this might make up for my, my uh, podcast party file. Um, it was a little end of hitch celebration beer. Yep. So I got a couple of bottles of the Stella Artois Midnight Lager. Huh? Ooh, I have not heard yeah. of uh, I mean, Stella Artois is pretty popular. I haven't heard of their Midnight Lager, though, so that's pretty cool. Limited edition, man. It was very, very tasty. Nice. Well, for this special occasion, and I want to set the tone for you guys, where I'm at is a cabin in the middle of nowhere. I was telling Tibu, the nearest town that has a gas station is probably 40, 45 miles away, right up by the border. Half the stuff up here runs off of generators. I mean, there's it's pretty, pretty limited. Satellite internet up here, so... It's cold. It's snowy. I'm looking at the lake in front of me. It's ice covered, really setting the tone. And I wanted to couple that with a special beer. So I'm coming at you with a very special limited edition. It's called Surly Darkness. Um, I know most people on here are just like hitting that fast forward button, like, all right, get to the fucking good stuff. But for those of you that do appreciate a good beer, this is one of the highest rated beers on Beer Advocate. I mean, this right here, this, this should get your boner, you know, I mean, prom, prom night hard, man. Uh, so I would check it out. Well, if you, yeah. if you have too many of these, though, you're not going to have a boner. Well, it depends. I've never had that problem, and I know some people have, but, you know, whiskey dick is a true thing. For some, it is a true, it is a true thing, and it and it doesn't seem to really follow any rules. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it could work one night and not the next. Fuck it. That's right. So, uh, speaking of whiskey, Dick, uh, this Surly is a Russian Imperial Stout. I wish you could see the cover or the label for this. It's got a devil on it, so it's it's kind of fitting. Oh, there it is. You see it? Very apropos. Oh, yeah, there's another yep. little one in the corner. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Yes. I'll read this to you real quick here, if I can. It's kind of dark in here. Don't look directly at her. Avert your eyes. The gorgon entices fangs, dripping with darkness nectar, seducing with undeniable cherry, chocolate, and coffee notes, and an aromatic hop punch. One glance, and she'll turn you to stone, leaving your darkness vertical at the hands of Keith the brother-in-law who doesn't like craft beer all that much. Surly darkness. All right. All I need is a fleshlight and a bottle of this and I am set. So (laughs) 
All right. Let's get into our next segment. And we'll be right back after the break with sports. Actually, I am being told that we have some breaking news. We are receiving unconfirmed reports of random acts of bizarre behavior and mass confusion from all over the city. Well, as we broke in with earlier, there have been widespread reports of confusion and erratic behavior as well as rabid-like symptoms being reported all over the city. Now, whatever's happening does not appear to be a local phenomenon. We have other reports. Okay, so we have horror happenings. Um, I will go first with one because the two I have I'm pretty stoked about. We're going to make this quick here, but the first one is Peter Stormare. He's one of my favorite actors. He's an excellent character actor. And it so very, I mean, there's a lot of themes. I mean, I know that your brain's natural tendency is to follow and, and find uh, patterns. But, I mean, everything with this episode is, is really satanic or devil-based. And Peter Stormare, his, his, one of his more iconic roles is the devil in Constantine. And he announced and confirms that Constantine II is in the works. Um, and Keanu is is going to be a part of it. And it's going to be produced by J.J. Abrams. So I, I'm pretty pumped. Um, I, I really did love the first concert scene. I thought it was an underrated film. Um, God damn it, I can't believe I just said film. It's probably this fancy-ass beer I have. So what, what are your thoughts about Constantine in this <laughs> Uh Yeah, man, I agree 100%. I love Constantine. I have since it came out. Uh, yeah, Peter Stormare, fucking amazing. Um, we'll touch on that later. And um, yeah, can't wait to watch this movie. Fucking love it, man. Keanu. Yes, sir. Why don't you go ahead with uh, your little tidbit? Well, this is awesome news for anyone who's into Lovecraft or cosmic horror or um, remakes of Stuart Gordon films because pretty soon... Uh, very soon, December 3rd to be exact, dropping on VOD is the reimagining, the bold reimagining of a horror classic, Castle Freak. Oh Man, they're really, I saw the trailer, I could not resist. Um, they really, really lean heavy on Lovecraftian lore in, in this version of the film. The original is based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, but, well, it's kind of based on a, yeah, it sort of is, and but it had, didn't really have anything to do with his his whole mythos. This movie looks like it's gonna just they're chant, cults chanting Yogg-Sothoth in this shit. It's gonna be fucking awesome, man. I think it was it, it's produced by Barbara Crampton, who was oh um, yeah in the in the original. I saw she had mentioned this on um, whatever episode she was on a last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, exclusively on Shutter. If you're gonna get Slasher, you might as well get Shutter. Get them both. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, Netflix of horror, and she said that she was producing the the remake. And I this the trailer just came out of nowhere for me. I had no idea that this thing was even near done, and it's finished. It's coming out in less than a month. All right. Can't wait. I feel like we were just talking about Castle Freak, or was that on your show? Maybe that you were talking about it. I can't. It's. Yeah, we've we've been getting extremely cosmic on the nightclub, and it's yeah. it's about to get to it's about to get to silly proportions. <laughs> nice. The last one I have excites me to to great lengths. 
probably one of my all-time favorite video games of all time is The Last of Us. I would say that if you're a horror fan and you don't play video games, this game, this franchise is worth it to buy a system and play. I mean, it's literally one of the best horror movies, quote unquote, that you can play out in a game. It, it's phenomenal. It, 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 it really hits all. The writing on this is ridiculous. You don't think that it would be in a video game. The acting, uh, there's voice acting, but it's, it's a lot of it is that, um, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, where they have, I mean, basically they use actors to act out the CGI parts. And oh, it's like fucking Andy Circus all over the place. Yes, there, yes, yep. Um, motion the, capture, I think. Motion capture, yes, that's what it is. And the best of the best news is that HBO just confirmed. It's been in rumors for a long time. HBO just confirmed that they ordered a series. Uh, for this and it's going to focus more on the first game and it's going to be I mean the, the people behind it are really what's going to make it because its producers are going to be Game of Thrones and Chernobyl it's going to be the writer of of uh, Chernobyl um, so I mean this you know if H I don't think HBO has put out a series that has been bad so I, I, I've really got high hopes for this. I'm actually super pumped. I'm hoping this is going to be like the next Game of Thrones. Um, I know that's some big shoes to fill, but I, it, it really, they've, they've already got it so easy with having, you know, a live action type style video game that they can pull from. So I'm pretty pumped. Fucking A, man. Uh, Prime, Prime has a Lord of the Rings. Well, it's, it's Lord of the Rings, but it's going to be back when Sauron was tearing through Middle Earth kicking ass. Um, they've got that series coming and a Wheel of Time series. I, I don't know anything about that, the, those original novels. Um, so that's kind of lost on me, but I will check it out. They were supposed to do a Dark Tower series, man. That got canceled, so I'm kind of bummed out. Yeah. Just speaking of series, and no, I don't think – I've seen a, a few, quite a few HBO uh, original series, and none of them have been bad. Not a no. True Detective, Six yeah. Feet Under – the Sopranos. I mean, the list goes on and on. All right. Well, anything else you want to discuss before we move on? Nah, we can get going. What one last little thing though, the director of 10 Cloverfield lane. Yep. Is going to make a, a predator film. So I'm based on the style of film that track is like Tim Trachtenberg or something. Yeah, I didn't catch yeah. the, the the guy's name or, or maybe it's Dan. Yeah, Dan. Tim. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Dan Trachtenberg. Yep, it's Trachtenberg, whatever it is. But yeah, that that'll be well, cool. Trachtenberg is going to deliver the Predator, man. Yep, and I I did see that it's um going to dismiss the 2018 movie, which that movie didn't get the best of of um I would say reviews, but I I I enjoyed it. But yeah, they're completely pretending that they're pretending that it never happened. So we'll see. Oh well. Maybe they'll follow follow suit with, you know, Halloween and Scream and just call it Predator. <laughs> Man, uh fuck it. Yeah. yeah. I don't even want to touch on touch that topic again. Mm-hmm. I've ranted enough about that. All right, let's move on to our discussion topic. On this episode of the Joe Blow Horror Show. 
we're going to talk about Satan in cinema or the uh, you know fallen angel of film uh, the devil is evil incarnate we know it as a at least in the west or in the three Abrahamic religions you know the three big ones um, Christianity, Judaism and Islam we know this thing to be evil incarnate it's basically the the yin the god yang or vice versa I'm not sure which one's positive or negative for yin yang but the character the devil in film usually has to take on a human-ish form um, and I think this is just just how the devil might be in literature and I, I'm not I'm not talking religion any like any more when I'm speaking of the devil I just kind of mentioned that to some major religions this is you know they're Hitler it's, he, he's that thing um, but when it takes on a human form in a film, as I was saying, just like in literature, it's, it, I think it's a means for us to sort of work through our darker nature. Because any time, not any time, but most of the time when the devil's in a film, uh, there's, there's definitely some evil afoot. But also, the theme of temptation comes up a lot whenever Satan is in a film. Um, also, I mean, just the cor corruption of a soul. That, that alone, you know... <laughs> or a robbing somewhat of someone's wishes and desires. I, I notice that a lot in, in some movies that feature, you know, the devil. So tonight I wanted to talk about a few of the um, Satans in cinema that are pretty memorable to me. Um, and whatever, you know, whatever else comes up as we trudge through these fiery lakes. Satan in cinema. So in popular culture, he's depicted as a red-skinned horns, hooves, the inverted legs. He's got the forked tail and a pitchfork. That's that's kind of the creature depiction of him. When blending in, he is, is, is I mean, it's always a male that is portraying uh, the devil. So when blending in or trying to deceive, he, uh, in quotes, is represented as a human. Uh, he's a personification of evil. In films, he's portrayed or symbolized to show human temptation, like Tibu said, or weakness. Virtually in every single movie, that's that's kind of the theme that's going to go with it. Uh, people typically will make a deal with the devil, um, you know, something with free will. Um, is he the ultimate bad guy? I mean, that's that's a question I have right there. I mean, that, that's that's one of the things in most of the films he is you know quote unquote the ultimate bad guy one of the oldest and scariest villains there is for sure I don't think that you know there's many that's going to argue with that I mean he's he's ancient he's, he's biblical uh, <laughs> the first adaptation in film was arguably 1926's Faust however you could argue uh, Haxon in 1922 uh, it's basically, um, you know, an alchemist sells his soul for his youth. Other depictions, you know, that we'll probably touch on are going to be the omen, the devil's advocate, end of days, Constantine, the witch, and exorcist. So what do you got, Tibu? Yeah, man, you made two points already that I was going to bring up was uh, the first depictions. Um, yeah, and, and the, the legend of Faust or the story of Faust is, is it's that classic, like you said, a deal with the devil. The devil is temptation, man, and 
The devil has been played by a woman. I just want to throw that out there. Oh yeah, um, I, I, I I have no doubt that it has, and I couldn't name one offhand. But ninety-nine out of a hundred times, I was gonna say it. It's, oh no, totally. It's right. a dude. It's usually a dude, and so is God. But right. Kevin Smith dared to have Alanis Morissette be oh, God and Dogma. Yes. Yep. And 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 in fucking the remake of Bedazzled, we get. Oh my God, what's her name, man? She's she is drop dead gorgeous. There's. Uh, Brendan Fraser is in it, but yep. it's also Elizabeth Hurley, right? Dude, yes. Oh man, I had a crush on her when I was younger. When that movie came out, shit, I still got a crush on her. Where... Oh no, no, for sure. But she yeah. was just like one of the first ones where it's like, damn. Um, there's this one scene where he meets her and she's like, "Don't you find me attractive?" He's like, "Yeah, you're hot," and she's. Oh baby, you have no idea. That moment, that moment right there was like that yep. did it. That did it for me. Um, I'm not gonna say that movie is. Um, I think it's fun. I, I remember it being fun. I haven't seen it in in years. But um, yeah, back back to the, the the theme itself of like making a deal with the devil. That that goes back to classic blues. You know, blues man Robert Johnson. Um, he met the devil at a crossroads and sold his soul for guitar skill um, I, I find it odd they haven't made a film about that yet a horror movie about that situation going down not that I know of do you know do you know of one I don't know oh damn well since we are talking about though the devil <laughs> should have shown up in a Robert Johnson film um, satanic films or I guess they're sometimes confused with like occult movies or witch films even because, well, <laughs> I'd say eight out of ten witches worship the devil, and <laughs> the other two are, like, at Books A Million buying tarot cards and earth magic books and shit like that. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, they not they not for real down with the, the horn crown, son. The devil and satanic movies vary in, in like, their style. They can be cults. They could be uh, <laughs> a fucking... The Godfather owning a law firm, <laughs> basically. Um, which, uh, and the, yes, I'm going to talk about a few things or a few depictions of the devil that I find kind of hilarious. Um, John Milton being played by Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate, as you mentioned, oh, is one that yep. I find. It, it's awesome, but it's also hilarious. And I'm going to say this now just for anyone listening, if some spoilers get thrown out there you know i'm just hey you got a warning um the, i'm not gonna go into detail but the ending scene of the devil's advocate where he hams the shit up but he's you know his depiction of the devil man he's the ultimate tempter and he's oh he's tempting yeah. keanu yeah um so keanu faces down the devil in in a few films eh because you were oh, talking yeah. about fucking constantine Mayor, man. yeah Yes, back to Devil's Advocate. I, I I will say I'm partial because that film is, God, why am I? I gotta drink more. I'm saying film way too much tonight. I mean, I, maybe they <laughs> have your pinky lifted drinking this type of beer, but no. But in all seriousness, that movie is I, I love it. It's phenomenal, and there's so many like like um, tongue in cheek moments and hidden meanings. I mean, if you can put the devil in one profession 
what better than to have him be a fucking sleazy lawyer, right? I mean, it's I, I think yeah. it's perfect. I love that fucking shit, man. And <laughs> just the way he Al Pacino performs and says certain things, it's just hilarious, even though it's yep. probably not meant to be. But that in a great way, no, like not in a way that I'm making fun of. I just it's this, his personality and that guy. He um, sells it too. I mean, Pacino is so perfect in that role. You can look, but you can't touch. You can touch, but you can't taste. You can taste, but you can't swallow. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's fucking he's great in that. I love him. That's when he's yeah. That's when he's starting to come unhinged at the end, man. It's all shit. Um. But the, the 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 news, the exciting and awesome news of Constantine too, Peter Stormare is coming back. That's like confirmed. Yep. He confirmed uh, it. You confirmed said, right? from him. I mean, they, I, I would still say at this point it's still rumor mill type, but you know, I don't think that he would just offhand make remarks like that if there wasn't some shit going down. It makes me very happy to know that he will be returning because in Constantine again the ending, but. Uh, well, this is unlike Devil's Advocate. Through you see, you see the devil throughout the film, in the form of a, a little little baby, Pacino. He's he's so short. So am I. <laughs> I know his pain. Um, in in Constantine, you only get Lucifer at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah at the end. Yep. Yeah, he steps out with his white suit right at the end. Yep. And and like black tar coming from his feet. It's such an interesting. And he's got these tattoos. It's very interesting depiction of the devil, not normal, not like the, um, you know, cookie cutter devil that you described at the beginning, which <laughs> in Bedazzled, Elizabeth Hurley turns into that devil for one second to freak Brendan Fraser out. Right. And, and that would be more, I mean, that's, I don't think that depiction that I explained of the devil is going to be in any modern cinema as far as that goes. But I mean, if you were to have a kid, you know, eight years old, draw the devil, that's what it's going to look like. So that's, that's the general populace idea. Of oh what the yeah. Devil looks like. We, we know that motherfucker. And, and to bring up, I'm going to bring up two funny instances of the devil in a film before we get back to some serious shit. Um, that would be, um, Oh, fucking hell. The devil in um, South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Oh, yes. Yep. Him and Saddam are lovers, gay lovers. That's phenomenal. And he sings just all, like, <laughs> he's singing about living on Earth and, well, babies bloop and flowers bloom. I'm like, <laughs> to, see, to, see, to see this guy then take, take you know, a dildo or whatever, I mean, you don't see it, but it's, it's it's implied when the lights go out and you hear like a, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> the devil takes a back seat to this crazy little Middle Eastern dictator with a flapping head. I love it, man. Yeah. That and um, uh, this is this is a very classic depiction of, of the devil. Um, very similar to one you, you, you laid out is Dave Grohl in Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny playing yep. the fucking devil at the end. Yeah. And dude, he has a ripping fucking drum solo in it. I'm the devil. I love metal. Dun, 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 dun. That shit just like I saw that in theaters. I was pleased. And that movie just had me floored. It was so fucking hilarious too. You got a favorite funny devil? 
Um, I mean, you, you the the one I was going to touch on was South Park. So that's, oh, yeah. that was that was the one I had in my notes. And he shows up again in the show, folks. So if you didn't get enough of him in the movie, he's in several episodes of of a uh, Oh yeah. South Park. Yeah, it's hilarious. I did want to mention the uh, to, to get a little serious, The Exorcist. That yes. movie is a a sub sub genre all its own with demonic possession yep. being the focal point. But I've got an argument against The Exorcist as a satanic film to to an extent. I mean, there is religious imagery in it, but um, the the demon that's possessing um, oh god, I can't remember her her name. Reagan. Um, yeah, yeah. The demon that is possessing Reagan is not Satan. It is Pazuzu, which is not the same thing. So that movie right there, I know I know it's definitely in the conversation because it's fucking demonic yeah. possession. And also, you would consider an antichrist movie a movie about the devil or, or a sat- satanic film. I'm just trying to draw distinctions. Um, I, I would, yeah. I mean, anti- yeah, antichrist, you know, the devil, the devil incarnate, the devil's son like a movie we'll be discussing soon enough yeah <laughs> hey man the devil's in that movie too though <laughs> yep holy shit um what about uh like exorcism films themselves is that something that that you dig or so my least favorite subgenre of movies are going to be the supernatural type however i am with watson on this and that done properly, they can be the scariest. So, for example, I know he is super high on Exorcism of Emily Rose. And I yes. watched that. That movie came out in, what, the earlier, mid-2000s? Um, 2005. Yeah. I and I saw that in the theater. And I remember just, like, what the fuck? Like, it was terrifying. And I, I think stuff like that hits home to me a lot more because that – Two things, it seems more realistic than fucking zombies or, you know, monsters, you know, coming to get me. And number two is, you know, I'm a, I'm a big athletic guy. I, I can handle myself against a slow-moving zombie or, or, you know, someone trying to come kill me a lot easier than the fucking devil. So that shit alone just <laughs> amps it up. Uh, because I'm I'm super guilty of of when I watch certain movies I, I I I sometimes get lost because I just get so enveloped in the movie that I you know I put my I I really can see myself in certain situations which can be a really good thing or it can be a really bad thing and when you get those type of movies it's like what do you do like you've you you can't do anything I mean it's it's just sucks so. Yeah, I done done properly. They're they're fucking absolutely terrifying for sure. Probably the scariest out there. I fucking I I like some exorcism films, and then, but to me it, it is it's one of those subgenres that just got way over fucking done. Yeah. Um, like to the point to the point of, I kind of would go like look at a movie that is about exorcism almost with a bias, like. God damn, another one of these, you know, there was like Molly Hartley and every fucking state got its own exorcism film for a while. Um, the exorcism in Connecticut, exorcism in fucking yep. Wyoming. I don't, I don't know. That that the might be cool. Possession like of a, this, the uh, possession of that. Yeah, yeah. And, 
you know, it, it just seemed, I guess maybe just watered down um, for a while, but a, another movie that could, you know, you could draw a distinction or, or maybe a connection and say, of course, it's a satanic film would be movies that I think have been on the rise, um, a subgenre of folk horror, according to me, witch movies, which I fucking love. And you mentioned the witch earlier. The devil is totally in that movie. Again, at the end, the devil likes to be Black dramatic, Phillip. right? He loves to. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, true, the, the devil is the goat. But when he shows up in human form to yeah. tempt um, Tomlin or Thomason. Thomason. The lone, uh, well, yeah, the, the female, the daughter um, of the family that's just fucking laid <laughs> laid to waste. Um, this guy shows up looking kind of pirate-like, but you don't really get to see him too well. And he speaks in this slow, measured whisper. It's like, I don't know, dude, that the ending of that movie and that depiction of the devil is really, really fucking creepy to me. But oh, that yeah. movie, that that to me is a supernatural film that was done right. Um, uh, yeah, I fucking love that movie. You, you have you got any witch movies? Did you you saw that right? Yeah, you did. Oh yeah, I own the witch for sure. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think it's 2017, what, so we never did like a top. It, it's definitely on my top of the year for 2017. So awesome. Yep. Um, what would be like another one of your favorite witch movies? Um. I mean, obviously, one that really comes to to mind is going to be Suspiria. I mean, I really think that you, you can't talk about witch movies without mentioning that. And that's interesting, too, because that movie does not have a depiction of Satan in it. It doesn't have a depiction of Satan, but yeah, it, it's a witch movie. Witch movies totally. with, yeah. I mean, if we're talking witch movies with Satan, I mean, it, it, it's really tough to say because I think... I mean, it's actually hard to, I mean, I'm thinking of, why am I thinking of Hocus Pocus more so, but I'm trying to think of other movies. Well, they think they have the dad or the old man rather in Hocus Pocus that's dressed up like the, the classic devil that we all think of. And they actually think he's the, the master. They keep calling him the master and he's tickled yeah. by this. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, those chicks. Yeah. Hey, there's a sequel coming out to that too. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Um, no, I, now, now you got me intrigued. I'm trying to think of other witch movies that fe feature, you know, Satan in one aspect or the other. Um, I can't, I can't think oh. of any offhand. If anybody, this ain't a witch movie, but if any, anybody out there hasn't seen the cleansing hour yet, uh, go get on that. That's all I'm going to say about that. I think, I think though, if I, we've been talking about different depictions, if I had to pick my fit, like, I guess pretty much my favorite. It's the one that I that I always go to when I'm like the devil in a movie. There's no devil more badass in my opinion. <laughs> badass, like he just looks intimidating and everything that seems to come out of his mouth is like some dark poetry. And that's Tim Curry as darkness in the 80s film Legend. Yeah. Which was star starring Tom Cruise. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, this, this is pre um, Mr. Hollywood, Tom Cruise, but the, the devil in that movie, have you seen, have you seen legend? No, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Dude. 
anyone listening, look up, just look up a scene from that movie featuring, he, he's called darkness, but he's the fucking devil, man. I mean, and like I said, everything that comes out of his mouth is just, he, he speaks so like eloquently and he, he basically wants to find a chick and then fuck her. That's really what he wants. And he wants it bad. And he hates the sun. He sunlight is my destroyer. It, it's crazy how monstrous Tim Curry sounds because you think of Pennywise and the voice acting, you know, well, he performs it, but his voice in that movie. Yeah. Hey, lady, uh, hey Georgie or whatever. Nothing like the interpretation of darkness, man. That like that, that shit right there freaked me out as a kid. But it's almost like I wanted to see it in real life. I would say <laughs> my favorite depiction's got to be Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate because I remember that, I think that movie is what ninety seven. Um, I'm just spitballing here. I think it's the ninety. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, sure. so I watched that and it scared the shit out of me. Um, you know that movie did like the elevator scene when he's going up with the chicks and they start deforming and you can see their true shapes and whatever. It was scary. Um, and Al Pacino was just, he was a, he, he was a scary portrayal of it. Another one that I think is kind of glossed over is end of days. Gabriel Byrne. I mean, he's, he's fantastic in this. Um, I mean, we can, I mean, we, we almost can draw, I mean, we can get in, involved with, hereditary talk if we really wanted to which is going to be a little bit different but yeah gabriel byrne was the devil in end of days and a lot of people just consider that more of a an action movie because it had uh, the governor you know schwarzenegger was in it but it was a great movie um and, and he did a really good job gabriel byrne did a, a great job you know portraying the devil so that movie's on my back burner um i will watch that again one day it's uh, the only thing I remember from it as a child when it came out, because I think that's from 1999. I'm almost positive. So I was like 10 years old. I remember Arnold in a church yep. and a big creepy tatai in there with him, boy. That was a big devil, big old devil trying to take down the Terminator. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good movie for sure. We've talked a lot about um, a bunch of devil films, man. I just, I yeah, that was. I just wanted to kind of mull over um, having a film feature who is what is ultimately pure, unadulterated, fucking badass, twisted evil. I wish, I, I do wish there was a movie though where they actually let the devil like go crazy and well, <laughs> and this is the end. Have you seen that? Yeah, is is that the one with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? No, that this is the one with um, Seth Rogen and ba well, basically every famous com comedy actor of the la of like the two thousand, oh, like Danny McBride. Yes, I was thinking The World's End, but yeah, no, I I've seen This Is the End. Yeah, that's the one where they're at a party and yeah, the shits. Yeah, yeah, the fucking rapture happens, and by the end yep. of the movie, you have a skyscraper demon with a huge schlong walking around destroying los angeles is that that's badass i forgot about that yeah, yeah i haven't man. seen that in, since it came out but um no yeah. i i and then lastly too i mean we covered this quite a few episodes ago but the movie devil uh it wasn't as powerful the last time i watched it for the show what last year or two years ago but i remember watching that in college 
And I, I was, I, I, st- I probably explained this on the episode, but just in case you haven't heard that part, I rented that movie from Net or uh, Redbox. I think that was right when Redbox first started. And I, w- I had a room in a basement at my buddy's house and it was unfinished and whatever. And I remember like laying in this, like, I mean, it was literally just a concrete whatever with a bed in there. And I popped that movie on and it was like so creepy. I remember like pulling my, cause I'm, I'm six, four. So like most beds don't fit me. So I remember pulling my feet up just a little bit so they don't hang over the bed. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, what am I doing? But yeah, that movie <laughs> freaked me out. So. I remember seeing that in theaters. Yeah. I think people should, um, yeah, they should definitely check it out. It might, it might, you know, <laughs> yeah, definitely got some creepy shit going on and um, produced by M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. Remember M. Night Shyamalan for later. Way later, everybody. Way later. All right. Uh, any... been... Go ahead. No, yeah. I was just going to say I've enjoyed talking about um, the, you know, ultimately the, the biggest titan of terror. Right. Um, you know, because behind every Jason Voorhees and every Freddy Krueger and every Deadite and every zombie that comes from hell, there is Satan. Yes, sir. Yeah, sure. Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we will be starting with our first feature review. We'll be right back. Talk is cheap, motherfucker! All right, we're back, and we are going to jump right into 1968's Rosemary's Baby. Oh, it's a wonderful apartment. I love See it. See what she's trying to do? She's trying to get you lower the rent. Let's have a baby, all right? Let's have three babies, one at a time, all right? You really mean it, really? No, I'm kidding. Sure I mean it. Are you aware that the Bramford had rather an unpleasant reputation around the turn of the century? Awful things happen in every apartment house. Well, this house has a high incident on unpleasant happenings. This is for you from Roman and me. Just a little present is all for moving in. We have to make a baby. You all right? I have a pain. Where? Here. Sleep is what you need. Good night's sleep. Where's the baby? Where is it? We're your friends, Rosemary. I don't believe you. You're lying.
<laughs> Rosemary's Baby is my fucking pick, man. 1968, directed by Roman Polanski. Um, it is starring Mia Farrow and uh, John Cassavetes, who was a director, a film director, as well as an actor. Uh, you know who Mia Farrow was, right? That was um, uh, Woody Allen's lady, right? No, not Woody Allen. Well, maybe Woody Allen, but maybe before that. That was Frank Sinatra's oh. slam piece. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's to you, sweetheart. <laughs> no, Here's to um, you, sweetheart. Yeah. Sydney, uh, Ruth Gordon, Sydney Blackner, um, and some other, some other odds and ends there. Uh, the movie itself, I've got the budget. Did you look up the um, the ratings? You usually look up the ratings for these things. Oh, yeah. I've, I sure did. Well, the budget was a little over $3 million. And the that movie was a lot was, back then. Oh, dude, for 1968, Roman Polanski was able to pull a few strings. Um, yeah. Go, it, it, it ended up grossing $33 million, $33.5 million, at least from what I read. Yeah. Um, Roman Polanski, he assumed that whenever you acquire the rights to a novel, you just make the novel. Yes, so, yeah. So that's why a lot of people say this is one of the best adaptations from novel to film. And I said film again, so I'm going to take another sip. Uh, it's me, dude. I'm tricking you into. I'm. I'm <laughs> I can film all the fucking time. You're trying to class me up, man. You're trying to class me up. I'm. I'm just a regular Joe Blow here. I guess T-Boo is Mr. Class on, on this, man. I don't know. I say, I say film too much, too. Okay, this movie, um, yeah, it, a lot of people say it's a direct adaptation. I have the novel. Uh, I have not read it yet, but it is by Ira Levin. And I think this was a, like a fast-track adaptation, too. I don't, I don't think the book had been out that long. But um, let me go ahead and guess those ratings. Yes, it, so uh, Rosemary's Baby, 1968. This is a long movie, too. This comes in over two hours at 137 minutes. Um, Super slow burn. Yes, yes. Yeah, let, let's guess those ratings. What do you got for IMDb? Oh, man, I'm going to have to say at least a 7.2, like at least that. An 8. That's high. That's really oh, fucking high. Fucking 8. Yes. Nice. I mean, that, that might as well be like a 9 point something, 9.8 on a true scale. Uh, what, what do you think for Rotten Tomatoes? This is the audience. That's got to be the, Oh, the audience score. Hmm. Yep. I could put that, I'll put that in like the 70 percentile. 87. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. People are loving it. The critic score has got to be in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So Roman Polanski, you know uh, I mean? no, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did you have the uh, critic score on there? Oh no! Didn't have the critic score. Fuck the critics. I was gonna say I don't. I don't even look at the critic score because yeah. Uh, but no, Roman Polanski. There's some, uh, shall we say, drama surrounding him. But we'll just keep it professional here. He's 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 a pretty well known actor or actor. I mean director. Ninth Gate is one of his more popular, I would say, horror movies. But also the Pianist is one of his. That's that's a masterpiece. That's a really good movie with Adrian Brody. Um, it was also written by Polanski. Mia Farrow, yeah, she's, as I said before, she was 
uh, Frank Sinatra's slam piece. But she was in uh, a couple other horror movies as well. So See No Evil uh, and then The Omen remake as well. So John Cassavetes, um, yeah, you, as you said, more of a director, but he was in The Fury. Um, I got some trivia unless you got something you wanted to add. No, man, I didn't, I didn't, I, besides some of the, I, if I remember during the show, um, during the rundown, I'll sprinkle it in, but sure. um, go ahead. So towards the end of the movie, when Mia Farrow uh, was walking across the street in kind of like a trance deal, Roman Plansky had this great idea and it was this kind is, of off the cuff. This is one of my, yeah, it's one of my bits that I, that I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's very dangerous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, <laughs> He, it was towards the end of the movie and he had this great idea and he wanted her to just walk into traffic. So this movie was filmed. I believe it was in New York or New York city somewhere. Yeah, it was New York city. Wasn't it? Because yeah, they, they were in times square earlier. So yep, yep. he told her, he's like, I'm going to have you walk through traffic. And she was really hesitant. He's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to hit a pregnant woman. Funny thing is, is she agreed to do it, but the cameraman would not do it. So Roman Polanski had to take the reins of the camera uh, and walk with her. And, and that's a pretty good scene because you can tell that's legit, like, you know, real New York City traffic. It's not like they had three cars that they were working with as well. So um, another thing. No, I, th I think it's the Dustin Hoffman scene, uh, scene from Midnight Cowboy where he, he uh, almost gets hit by that, that cab driver and he slams his hand on the hood. That's where that expression comes from. Hey, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Like that's what he yells at the guy. Oh, I could I'm, be wrong about this. I'm not. But, I'm not familiar with that movie. Yeah. Oh shit. Another thing too that's kind of funny is Roman Polanski and uh, that John uh, Cassavetes. They did not get along at all. Like to the point where they barely were able to get the the movie made. Um, and part of it too <laughs> is I, I I think I mean I didn't find this anywhere, but it's probably because. John Cassavetes was a director in his own right. And I think that they were kind of differing on some things. Um, part of it too, is I know that Cassavetes wanted to do a lot more ad libbing and Polanski's like, no, here's your lines. Just fucking say them, bitch. Uh, so they did not get along at all. And then, yeah, as we talked about before, I mean, this is considered one of the truest uh, book adaptations into movie. And it is because of that little trivia that you had in that <laughs> Yeah, Polanski was like, hey, I got the rights to the book. So he, he he didn't know that you could go and use, what do they call it, creative, um, uh, you know, visions with it where you could kind of manipulate and interpret. So he kept it very, very true. So, Yeah, Polanski, he's putting Cassavetes in his place, but he's failing to uh, express himself. But I think he does that through his direction. And this movie is very – it's early art house. I, I would say it's probably influential on art house film. Um, just really, some you of the dream sequence. Huh? I didn't, that, that oh, art yeah. house, that art house aspect didn't come off as well. When I watched this movie, I thought it was very particular and very professional. Like everything about this was very, I mean, Maybe I'm, I, I'm Stanley Kubrick's coming to mind maybe because I've, I've been watching the, the stand, but, or I mean the shining, but yeah, I thought this movie was very deliberate and, and I, yeah, I guess I didn't really see much of the art house, but. Even the shining itself has elements of uh, art house. It, 
uh, Kubrick might have even have been influenced by Rosemary's Baby. I'd be interested to to see if that that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, it's it's considered like like to 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 be a uh, you know, a, pr- a pretty pretty influential in in that regard. And I think it a lot of it has to do with what you're pointing out as the pacing of the film and how deliberate it is. And also, I would say that the those those damn dream sequences to yeah. me those are some of the realest. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. No, uh, keep going. I was going to interject here when you're done. I think, I think those dream sequences are some of the realest versions of how a dream kind of works or looks. Like, w- as far as in a dream where you're somewhere that shouldn't even make sense and there's people there that it might not gel and suddenly you're in another place and you don't even question why because you're in a fucking dream. You could go from sitting in a car to being in the middle of the woods you know, and it's like, mm-hmm, this is how it works. And yeah, there's like a Native American guy here and he's, you know, the, 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 some of the scenes in the movie are just like that. And, and you can interpret them in, in a lot of different ways based on some of the things that the, the characters were discussing prior in the film, like the Pope being at Yankee Stadium and uh, suddenly in a dream sequence that happens right after that scene, the motherfucking Pope shows up. You know, what does that mean as far as what's actually going on in that scene versus whatever Polanski intended for you to do as, as the viewer. Like, how are you going to see this? I think that that this movie is full of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I've watched, I've watched it a a bunch of times, man. Um, Yeah. Showing my hand. I picked the movie, (laughs) Um, but that art house, slow burn, definitely horror, especially with the, I think what this movie manages to accomplish with, I don't think there's any gore in the movie other than like a, someone getting a needle injection. I think there's zero gore in this. Film. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's no gore. Yeah. There's not even any blood, even with the needle, there's no blood. That's right. And you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it at, you know, throughout and towards the end here, but I think this movie is very affecting and I think it, it accomplishes that with throwing away one of the reasons, one of the main tenets of horror, and that's fucking blood must be spilt, man. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, it's atmosphere building, intention building, and I will say, even though this movie is over two hours long, it's and I think a lot of people see the term or hear the term slow burn, and there's a negative annotation to it, which in some cases that can be applied, but in this case, I think that it's done well enough where it's technically is a slow burn because I mean, it, it takes a while to get to the point, but it keeps you in intrigued enough where it's not like you're okay, let's get on with it. So, yeah, I mean, that can be said with a lot of the, the character design to the plot, the dialogue, um, I will say, you know, me watching this for the first time in 2020, it wasn't... <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of knew partly what the movie was about in the ending. But what the cool part was is, I mean, and also, too, with the characters, I would say, you know, it didn't take me long to kind of figure out who was what and the characters were. But even though, like, you're watching this movie, or me, and you know exactly what's going on with the characters. Um, it it kept it interesting enough. And then, I mean, I, not to get too far ahead, but the anagram 
you know, when you find out who um, Roman was, that was really fucking cool. So that was one of the things where it pissed me off that I knew how the movie was because I think that if I ha- had I not known, well, actually, in the first probably I would say quarter of the movie, you you know that she's essentially raped by a devil. So <laughs> you kind of figure <laughs> out the, what the baby's gonna be. But that would have been a pretty cool, you know, seeing that, like, whoa, wait, what's going on? Um, I'm rambling now. I, I don't remember where I was going with this. But, no, there, there was a couple parts in this that that did surprise me and I thought were really fucking cool. So, um, but, no, I, I liked how they tied everything together. Um, and I kind of had a couple problems with some things, but we'll get to that in due time. So, yeah, well, I'll go ahead and kick us off, man. Um, we'll get into We'll get into some of these characters and some of this dialogue that, like you say, it, it, it keeps you intrigued, even if it is going slow. And the acting is kind of that in-between phase, in-between different eras in Hollywood. So you, you do get a little touch of the classic. And maybe that also, when you said this seemed very professional, maybe it's the way the acting comes across. Because the, act, the acting is top-notch all around, I think. It is. And I'll say more professional with, because I mean, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here and I'm going to tell you, I have not seen a lot of movies from 1968 and the only one that I, and I'm not comparing it to, but is Romero's Night of Living Dead. So, I mean, there's a very vast difference between those two movies, even though that's considered an ultimate classic you can tell the difference in filmmaking, acting, just everything. This movie, this movie is, is it's no different from, you know, uh, a 2020 blockbuster compared to, you know, something where some guy has $10,000 and his friends to help him out with nowadays. Cause that's kind of what it was with night living dead and this one. But that's what I meant as far as it, it looked really good. You could tell that it was, you know, the budget makes a lot of sense, but you could tell that everything was in check from the acting, the script, the story, dialogue, cinematography. I mean, it was all there. Another gem from 1968 is 2001, a space odyssey. If you have not yes. seen that, you yep. Need yep. Talk about professional as the fuck again, Mr. Kubert. Thank you. Sorry. Um, all right. We're going to get into it, man. Rosemary's baby opens up with, um, I guess these uh, flying shots over New York City, and it is set to the theme. New of the York movie, City. Which... <laughs> I don't know why, but I just thought of Stephen King and Creep Show, meteor shit. Um, not related. No, I think of that. Is it the, is it a Velveeta commercial or or something like that in New York? Or no, it's a Tostitos salsa commercial. New York <laughs> City. Anyways, keep going. The the theme of the movie is playing, and it's um it's a, a sort of it wouldn't come across as creepy in like maybe every circumstance, but knowing this movie, and even the first time I saw it, it really did it hit me as creepy as fuck. And it's actually Mia Farrow that is doing the the lullaby. The the yes, the, yep. I'm not gonna attempt it because she makes it creepy and pretty. But um, yeah, we get these 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 shots of New York City with this hellish lullaby going on and uh, all the font is pink sort of like I, it's, it's like the movie is lulling you in right at the beginning like singing to a little baby to calm it down go ahead slip slip right on into the uh the Brantford with the wood houses you you get 
guy and Rosemary Woodhouse, this young couple that they're looking to, um, you know, change up their living situation, maybe get something a little bit nicer, a little bit bigger. And they're being shown an apartment in this really cool, like old Gothic building. Um, old school. And th- right, right away, this is where the intrigue begins. So you, you don't waste any time as far as starting to have this sense of mystery. Um, while they're being shown the apartment, the, uh, I guess the landlord or, or, you know, whoever he is, is, is showing the, the wood houses, everything. And he says, well, I, and that's where some of that acting is. Though. Well, there, there, there was a closet behind this. So I, I must be sure like, yeah. or whatever he, yeah. he has this weird way about him, but I could see someone actually talking like that all, all the same, especially in a professional sense. And uh, they, he gets Guy to help him move this huge fucking dresser out of the way. And there is a closet door back there. And you, this little old lady lived in the apartment that they're being shown. And she died. And the guy showing, like, I don't see how she could have pulled this across, you know, the, down the hallway and everything. You see the, the, the marks on the floor where it was being drugged. It's like, why would she go through the effort, this old woman, of closing this door off? Like right away, man, that the, you get into it. And I, I think it's right after that, they go visit um, their, their buddy Hutch, who is their uh, current and soon to be former landlord. He has them over for dinner and he starts to kind of, you know, I don't know if warn them is, is really the right word, but he starts to tell them about the history of the Brantford. There were murders there. And um, I don't remember the exact details, but, he he was he was British, right? I'm, I'm not wrong in oh, like picking up on that accent. I now I I actually I I can't remember. I couldn't tell you. So while we're on the Hutch topic, I, uh, just so we don't stray too far, I, I do have to. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact. I mean, we were talking about Frank Sinatra's slam piece, and I know I'm pissing a lot of people off with that saying. <laughs> The reason I've been saying that the whole time is because this movie is what and ultimately uh, defined their demise. Um, Mia Farrow, he was Frank Sinatra was telling her not to take this because she's going to be away from him for a long time and be in New York and blah blah blah. And um, he basically was like, "If you take this, we're done." And she, her agent was like, "This is it. This is going to be the one that kind of puts you over the top." And she took it, and uh, right afterwards, Sinatra uh, filed for divorce. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, I knew, I, I knew about that. Um, glad you brought it up because I don't think I would have remembered that. Yeah, what a, what a dick that Sinatra. So yeah, I mean, look, your 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 gal can't fucking because that's how he would have said it. My my dame ain't gonna be no Hollywood actress star. I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't have wanted her to fucking, I don't know, fucking weird, man. Um, <laughs> the, the, I don't know, the ways of, of night, I guess that was in the 19, yeah, oh yeah, 60. So fuck it. Women can't do shit. <laughs> Except be what? Slam pieces. Slam pieces. So after, after um, Hutch tries to, to warn them, they say, fuck him. And they move out anyway. Um, they, they, they move into the Bramford. I, I keep wanting to say the Bramford Hotel because I think that's the name of the place where John Lennon got shot. Couldn't tell you. Um, 
Yeah. They, they move in, they start kind of redesigning their, their new home, uh, sort of changing it up from drab to, I guess, bright. Rosemary goes with like uh, white and yellows and shit like that. And uh, one day she's doing laundry and she meets this girl downstairs named, I think it's Terry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you seriously going to jump to this part and not talk about the fact that in 1968 we got to see naked Mia Farrow and boobs because that was, if I had to say the top five parts of this movie, that was probably number five or four. So let's I'm, talk. I was leaving it. I was leaving it out because I didn't want to burst your bubble. My my bubble was burst when I saw her naked. So I mean, we can talk about that's it. not Mia. That's not Mia Farrow's boobs, man. Oh, it's not. No, for her, if you notice, whenever they do show some titties in this movie, her face is never on screen at the same time, except for some side boob. You do get yeah. some real side boob um, after the devil rape, which is coming up. She but, might have. Uh, yeah. The only thing is she must have some really weird nipples. Like, I've had a couple of girlfriends that, I don't know if we want to trek down this road, but yeah. I'm definitely more you of an ass guy. Away. I'm I'm more of an ass guy than a than a boob guy, but I'm I'm very particular about my nipples. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yep. Well, okay. Now, and the nipples well, on this one were 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 fantastic. So, and the areola I when I probably just, yeah, nipples areola. Show, man. She's all right. Well, whatever. More power to her. She was a she was trying to be a big Hollywood actress, you know. And I think back then nudity wasn't. Well, that's um, why I was surprised. I was like legitimately surprised. It's like, holy fuck, 1968. Like, this is weird. No, anyways, well, not, I, I, yeah. Oh, you could talk about Mia Farrow's tits, dude. It's it's fine. It's no, good. It's good stuff. You already ruined it for me. It's not even Mia Farrow's tits. That's why I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry, um, this recovering drug addict, is uh, doing her her clothes, her wash. Let's downstairs. make love. <laughs> what did i skip over that too no i'm just saying the way she said it was pretty funny <laughs> let's make love yeah i i think i did though because right when they move in yeah i totally did because they're having uh like supper on the floor they don't have any furniture it's, yeah it was yet, the first night yeah and yeah she wants to bone man and that, and that motherfucker says oh yes ma'am he starts getting ready he ain't even fucking around but i do think and, that's that is a fairly important piece because they do that and then like the next scene you see they made a point to show him in bed two separate times like naked without clothes on and then you find out after the devil scene that he doesn't have clothes on or pajamas and 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 i will say like the one thing with this movie too is is which actually i'm kind of glad with typically i would not be all right with it but they did kind i mean you'd think that it would be too much on the nose to kind of recap certain stuff, but no, like when she does say stuff like, and you don't, you, you, you're wearing clothes to bed. You never touch me anymore. It, it, it does like, Oh yeah, it does bring stuff to home, but no, I, I not, not to get too excited, but I, I think if I had to say my one favorite thing about this movie was the, the swerve plot storyline with her husband. So, yeah. Yeah, this Anyways. guy. Yeah, we're gonna get in. Yep. We're gonna yep. get into it. Um, 
so they're having a conversation, being friendly neighbors. Terry, Terry, like I said, is a recovering drug addict, and she talks about the Castavets. Not to be confused with John Cassavetes. That that's kind of weird that their last name is so close to his last name. Um, but the Castavets are some old couple that lives in the same building, and I guess they're you know helping this chick out. I, I kind of got like a unicorn type of vibe off of her. You know, those old freaks are into some sexy shit. Uh, <laughs> that that doesn't happen Wait, in the movie. Elaborate, unicorn. It's a uh, a female that is completely all right with being the third wheel sexually to a couple, an existing couple. I'm 36 years old. I've never heard that. How have I not heard that? But that's where are these unicorns? Is that why they're called unicorns? Is because you can't find <laughs> you can't find them. Don't worry, they're my rare. wife doesn't listen. I mean, they're rare, man. I guess that's why they call them that. But you know, you learn something new every day. I'm gonna, I'm like, I told, I'm gonna class it up a little bit. So I'm, br- I'm bringing new terms. Well, you you gave me the well, new term tonight, slam, slam piece. It's kind of the same thing. Mia Farrow was a slam, uh, a fucking, you know. Well, all right, should we? That she was with right. Polanski and with Sinatra. I, I mean, do we need to get the fleshlight jokes out of the way right now then before we class this shit up? So, all right. <laughs> all right, go for it. Let's see what you got. What? With a fleshlight? <laughs> no, I was going yeah, to say, let's get these fleshlight jokes out of the way because T-Boo's about to class it up. No, 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 no. Um, when they're having their conversation too, Rosemary notices a, a, a unique charm that's hanging off a necklace. Uh, Terry's necklace and she goes to examine it she's oh what the hell is that smell and she called uh, Terry tells her it's tennis root you like those those uh those anagrams huh um rearrange tennis t-a-n-n-i-o-a-s or t-a-n-i-s oh it's i i i thought yeah I think it is an I. But I was going to say, yeah, that was actually, there's no such thing as Tannis Root. It was, it was in the Irv, Ira Levin or whatever. It was invented by him for uh, the book. Oh, shit. Okay. I didn't know that either. Look, see, now I'm learning shit. Shit that don't even exist. And I misspelled it in my head. I thought Tannis was T-A-N-A-S and you could rearrange it to have it be Satan. I'll double check oh, on that. Well. As you're chatting, you might be right, but I don't think so. <clears throat> Anyways. Long ass T Boo. Um, so they 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 have their little their little meeting and it's fun. You know, okay, we're gonna do our laundry together now. They're gonna, you know, female it up. And um <laughs> after I just went on a rant saying women should be able to do what they want. <laughs> Making fucking sexist jokes and shit. Well, guy and Rosemary are coming back home one night and um there's uh, quite a commotion. A lot of people are in the street. The cops are there and they go to check it out. And it turns out that Terry fell out of a window to her death. Uh, then walking up looking pimp as fuck is Roman Castavet and his wife, Minnie, who is a treasure. Her performance yes. in this movie is outstanding. And the um, best everybody part... Is- is she, she was uh, about ready to give up on acting, like quote unquote retire, and she was convinced to take this role. And this role, like, pretty much 
you know, gave her the fucking shot put out of the cannon for the second half of her career. So, but yes, no, I agree. She, yeah, she, this, this role really kind of fucking gave her that boost she needed. Yeah, they, they both, they both stroll up the, the street and this is, this is taking place at night looking just like Roman looks like a pimp dude. He's wearing like a pink suit. I don't know. They just came from like the player's ball or something. I, I don't know what's going on, but they're, you know, very upset to find out that Terry has seemingly committed suicide. Um, they, 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 they don't seem to think so really, but um, yeah. <laughs> the way that many reacts and stuff like that, they, they, they befriend Rosemary and Guy kind of down there. Um, Rosemary reveals that she had met Terry and, so um, I guess they – do they invite them over right then and there or that's something that gets mentioned in a, in the next scene? I don't know. They were over there so fucking often it's hard to – Yeah. Well, um, at some point when they do go visit, you, you get to actually see the inside of their apartment. And I, I think there is one scene right before this where you hear some chanting going on oh yeah so there's yeah there multiple times uh throughout the beginning of the movie there was yeah there there was like parties and chanting and music and something coming from that other um apartment (laughs) yeah at one point guys like dr i don't know uh, saxton i don't remember his real name but he's like he plays the flute um yeah well they hear some chanting or some shit. They eventually go over to Roman and Minnie's apartment. And it's like this, and it's almost like antique, everything, um, and lavish. It feels, it feels like everything in their apartment has traveled around the world. Kind of, you know, like you're walking into a museum, they have a huge library in there. So uh, these folks are kind of classy, you know, Roman and Roman claims to have been everywhere. He's like, you name a place. I've been there. Yeah, so this um, was I was paying attention to this part. So I mean, they they were kind of ham-fisted with this particular scene here because they wanted you to know that he was a very well-traveled man. So you you knew like you were waiting. Like you you were waiting for what's the second part of this story arc for uh Roman here or yeah, his name was Roman, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. Rome, Rome, Roman and Minnie. Yeah, I, mean, I wish I could. I wish I could do a, a version of Minnie's voice for the audience, but I, I've never yeah. <laughs> tried. But she's got such a unique voice, and her acting is just so. Yep. It is, man. It, it's the most unique role in the film, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm just tickled by her when she's on screen. So they start uh, getting to know one another, and they're drinking and you know enjoying each other's company, and Roman kind of you know has a, a, a private conversation with Guy. You you see Rosemary kind of peering over over her shoulder into the other room, like like as if to be nervous about what they're talking about. And this is where this poor girl's, oh God, it, it, talking about women can't do or say what they, what they want in, in 1960. Well, this movie is meant to take place in 1965. So that's the, the setting, the year that the movie's happening. Um, yeah, pr- pretty much anything that she's afraid of, or I mean, for Christ's sake, she gets a haircut at one point, and and it's oh like, my god, yeah, didn't, it was didn't a disaster. Wanna, 
What? <laughs> okay, we'll have a different opinion on that one. Um, I guess we'll 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 get to that. But eventually, Minnie just kind of basically nonchalantly hands the same charm over to Rosemary that Terry had, and it's got that same fucking tannis root in it. Um, tannis is T A N N I S. Well, that blows that. But they fucked up. The they fucked up. You're right. They should have. That was a perfect silver platter opportunity to do it. T A N A S. Yeah, and with the cast of Roman Castavet thing, I mean, they could have had you know like that have been a double whammy right there, a, a double whammy anagram. Yep. They fucked up. Fucking assholes. So after they have this this uh, little dinner party, Rome uh, guy seems to be really taken by the Castavets. Um, he wants to go back over there and talk some more. And don't worry, Rosemary, you don't have to come. So he's, you know, he's kind of letting her know it's it's okay not not to go over, honey. But yeah, we'll, I got to we'll interrupt you at why. this point. So up until about thirty seconds ago, I was thinking that the whole reason of them getting this apartment is because um, what's her husband's name? Why am I drawing a blank? Mia Farrow's guy. Guy. So up until 30 seconds ago, I assumed that the whole reason they got that apartment is because Guy and Minnie and Roman were in cahoots the whole time. But the way that you were talking about when he moved in, because I know like we're going to talk about the actor that went blind all of a sudden. So you, you think that's about to come up. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So that makes sense then. So this all, it just seems okay. Well, that, is unfortunate because now I've got some questions as far as that goes, because I thought they were in cahoots the whole time to get there and, and to do all this, but you're saying that um, they found, they found an opportunity in um, guy and Rosemary after Terry committed suicide, they shifted their focus. Um, well, to Terry, what means Terry didn't commit suicide. I assume that they made her commit suicide. Right. I think she found out. I think she found out what they wanted with her, and she said, "Fuck this." Because the the whole deal with Roman. Because and, that and that Tara, they, yeah, because Tara was living with Minnie and Roman, right? Yeah, they yes, took, they okay. took in a drug addict to basically yes. do what they okay. Were That's do. what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, well, that and, makes yeah. sense. Um. So. <laughs> Yeah, and in 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 the following scene, uh, guy finds out that he actually gets a part in a play that he was uh, he was shooting for. Because I don't think we've mentioned this, but um, guy is an actor, um, mostly plays, um, and I think um, Rosemary says some television. Um, I keep I keep I just I remember the name. I forget both the plays, but one of them is called Nobody Loves an Albatross. <laughs> like, oh, so weird. He gets the part because the guy that was originally cast suddenly out of nowhere fucking went blind. Um, it's kind of, you know, what were you, what were you thinking at that point? I mean, you, you, like you even said you knew where the movie was kind of going to go, but were you at that point where had you put two and two sort of together and be like, mm, this is all weird that the chick kills herself. She gets the charm. Yeah, God, so luck kind of goes up. So at this point, I still didn't know the story arc with Guy. I thought that all this was happening to keep 
because you know the the movie made a point of saying how much him and Roman were friends and hanging out and whatnot. So at this point, I still didn't know Guy's role in it. I kind of figured the role that Minnie and Roman had, although I didn't know who Roman was. And I was at first thinking that um, t- they they killed off Terry because she was making friends with Rosemary and they wanted her to be isolated. Not, not, I, I, I didn't think that it was killing him off because Rose, because Terry found out what their intentions were. No, and you know, man, there's nothing set in stone that that can't be what happened. They don't, they don't come out and say, right? Yeah, it's left ambiguous. But I think your version makes more sense, though. I never thought of it that way, though, but that would be, that would be interesting if. I, I, it would beg the question, though. Yeah, how did how did Guy find these these people? And well, maybe it's through. No, well, no, he's a he's a stage actor. He's not a Hollywood guy. So no. I don't know. I was about to tie Hollywood into the devil. <laughs> so they, what what happens next is um, suddenly, Guy is you know like okay, it's baby time. It's time to have a baby because you know I'm 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 gonna be, ma- making it big with with this new role I've been cast in and you're a stay-at-home mom because you're a woman in the fucking... <laughs> so you're going to fucking have a baby, man. We're going to have fucking three babies, he tells her. Yep. Um, not, all at, not all at once, though. And then they plan a night to um, conceive. And it's, it's at this point that Minnie, who has made herself sort of a nuisance, um, she's kind of always coming over. And it, it's like, you know, Rosemary's nice to her out of politeness, but you can tell that she doesn't care at all for many again man this this poor woman's suspicions and her instinct telling her what's right and you know guy especially is pushing her towards befriending the, this old couple she she comes over the night they plan to conceive and brings some chocolate mousse uh <laughs> a dessert she's made herself for them to enjoy and uh Rosemary is not really taken by it. She's like, this shit's got a chalky undertaste. I don't like it. And guy, that's when he, that this, I think this is the first instance where the true person that he really is starts to kind of flash, you know, flare, flare up. He gets real pissed off that she won't eat it. And he kind of, he kind of yells at her a little bit. So she just, she don't want to ruin the night. They, they want to go to fuck town. And she's like, all right, all right, I'm going to eat it anyway. Look, see, I can eat it all. And she's eating it. Oh, can you go flip the record over? Guy walks off. Rosemary's like, fuck this chocolate mousse. She starts scooping it into a napkin. So she didn't eat you know, the whole thing, just, just a few bites. Not long after that, she starts to get woozy and drowsy. And Guy's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and put you to bed. This is where the, furkin, the, the, the dream sequence starts, man. This trippy like i wish i could think of the right word to describe how i feel when i watch the way this film the this scene is shot it almost feels like composite shots of different scenes placed into one another but it gets it gets weird requiem for a dream is what was that's what i thought of that makes a lot of sense yes i could totally see that fucking great movie 
Darren yes. Aronofsky, horror adjacent master. Yeah. Um, but but in this dream sequence, she's on a boat. Uh, she's being brought down into the, um, I don't know what you'd call that, not a fuselage, the cabin below the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a name for it. And there's there's character, there's people popping up in it, like the, the guy from the Brantford that runs the elevator, um, and then all the other tenants, including the Castavets and including Guy, they're all there with her in this cabin below deck, and they're all naked. And they lay her down on this huge fucking bed, this, the, 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 like, at, at this point, man, are you like, oh, shit, do you know what's coming? Yes, yeah. This, yeah, because I knew kind of the backstory of the movie, but yeah. Man, I wish you wouldn't have known that. God, know. if, if anyone has not, um, <laughs> obviously, if you, if you have not seen this movie, please go watch it and then, then come back and listen uh to not have all this all this shit spoiled for you but uh yeah i mean we're getting into it now this is a satanic movie and satan is fucking come dude he and he's gonna come and uh, he hasn't come her. yet he's he'll come <laughs> soon she gets creeped up on first don't they draw like um uh a pentagram on her and blood all over yep. all over her tits and stuff like that yeah yeah so she gets creeped on by you don't you don't fully so you know this is kind of the well it depends on how you look at it it could be a positive or a negative for me it's a positive but you don't really see the devil you see his hands you kind of see, see his, his face, face. You see his eyes yeah um he looks very like sort of reptilian yeah i thought the depiction of him was one of those i mean if i had to reach for some cons in this movie it would be the depiction of him for real oh man i'm disappointed yep. to hear that yep well yeah he to me like i said it's, it, it didn't take it didn't take away from the movie but if i had to reach for cons that's that would be one of them but again it's probably that, it's a product of the times you know uh yeah well the the makeup on him is with the lighting, and the lighting is very dim in this scene, I would say the makeup effects on the character playing Satan, for what it is, for me it works. Uh, yeah. he, he looks kind of scaly, but almost in a like broken, like his skin is made of broken, jagged earth. Yep. It, I, I, maybe maybe it's the imagery I attach to it as well that just, because his eyes look like fucking volcanic, volcanic pits. I don't know. Yeah, yeah red, it's beady awesome. eyes, yeah. And you get one of the best lines in the film when Rosemary is, it's, it's going down. Satan has inserted his satanic cock and she starts screaming, this isn't a dream. This is really happening. Like she, she, she didn't eat all the fucking chocolate mousse, man. That shit was meant to knock her out. Cause like she says, this shit is really happening or is it right? Yep. That's that's part of the, the the intrigue and the mystery. We're we're convinced through Rosemary that this shit is happening to her, but everybody around her is like, "What is going on with this lady?" Or at least they're gonna start start to think and say that. Um, so over overall, though, this dream sequence. I mean, did did, did it work for you overall, or was it? Yeah, 
It did. All right. Well, it's not long after this that Rosemary gets pregnant. It's revealed she is pregnant, and they tell, of course, the the cast of Ed's wrong. A guy can't wait to fucking. Literally, he finds out and he heads like hauls ass over there to to tell them. They come, congratulate her, uh, and forcibly insert a new doctor into her life, Doctor Saperstein. Yep, that. That's, with, uh, yeah. So Doctor Hill got kicked, and yeah, that right there was if you were a little bit lost up to this point, this is where you were like, okay, this is all fucked. Something's not right. But yeah. The, the way that they transitioned doctors, you knew that shit was going down. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, 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 they did, they did not waste time. They were adamant about making sure this happened. They wouldn't take no for an answer. They said that she, uh, her and God would get, you know, the friend rates for the doctor, which, I mean, you know, at first it's like fucking A, man. This is going to be awesome. And this is also in line with kind of their luck turning around. But um, she goes to see Saperstein, and he tells her that he wants her on all natural stuff. Don't worry about it. Minnie's going to make it for you because she's got all these herbs and all these little things she can concoct, and you're going to be just fine. Don't read any books, he tells her, and don't listen to your friends. Okay, that's not alarming Right. To anyone with like, you know, don't read any books. Come on, dude. <laughs> so, but she, she listens to him and she's drinking this cocktail of whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> snails. A lot of tennis right there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely that. I, I love many. Don't though. forget those that she's been wearing the, um, the necklace too. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she's surrounded by this fucking evil shit. This evil, well, Hutch comes over later, but um, I like I like Minnie's line though. She's like, she's like "Well, what's in it? Ah, uh, snip snails and puppy dog tails. You yeah. want to buy, don't you, or whatever?" And so, part of me really does believe that there is there is that in there because that's how you make a boy. Everyone knows that. Snakes, Come on, man. snails, and puppy dog tails. That's what I'm all about, or that's what I'm all made of. Um, <laughs> She, while she's um, drinking this this shit that Minnie keeps feeding her, she starts to have abdominal pains. Um, she starts to look real gaunt and sort of skeletal. I think this is around when she gets her her haircut, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So she's getting, and that's that's one other thing too. I thought I was like, God, with the movie that was going so good and had such good <laughs> effects, like that makeup they put on her around the time that the, she had the party with how white she was, I thought it was like, Oh, come on. But yeah, no, they were really trying to make her look gaunt and white and pale. And cause she, in the movie, they brought up multiple times that she's losing weight. Um, and she's sick. Like she's like deathly ill for months and months. Um, but yeah, no, I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah. No. Well, yeah, she, she gets her, her, uh, haircut. Um, and she got to me it's a pixie style haircut so it's just a little ahead of its time um i guess that's why it was trendy then oh she's so like, bad she's like it's videl sassoon um I, I i dig it on her honestly um to me it's it's the look that's when i think of her in this movie i think of that look um that's mm. you know because this is what she looks like the rest of the, the film sure also, hair doesn't I do suit say, her. Too, the um oh she's cute man and the 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 way that the way that they do her makeup, because of the 
um, supposed circumstances, the alleged circumstances at this point of what's happening. I I don't know. I never, it never took me out of it. Um, but like I've said, I love this movie. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I even have a con to, to, to be honest. Um, she, her, this pissed me off. She walks in the room. Your wife has been sick. She's not showing for after being pregnant for months. And she's like, obviously trying to get a good, you know, something positive out of you. What does guy turn and turn to her and say, he's like, you didn't pay for that. Did you? Like he's, doesn't he say something like that? Well, she deserved it walking in with a fucking haircut like that. Good God. She's lucky he didn't divorce oh, her. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. I hate guy at this point, man. Yeah. I hate him like I hate uh fucking Stooge and in, in uh, Night of the Demons. Like he's oh. funny and he says shit that he says shit that makes me laugh, but I'm not a fan of the personality type. Like if no. that person were around me, I would not I wouldn't be too too happy to be around them all that much. But that being said, <clears throat> This is when this is when Hutch comes over. So they haven't seen old Hutch in a while and he's going to visit and he notices how sick she looks. He's concerned and um he starts to do some uh, research after meeting Roman Castavet. He notices the the guy to be kind of, you know, odd and I think this is even where they notice that he's got pierced ears. Which no, that's later on. That's later. Yep. Oh fuck! I might be jumping around a little bit, um, but but yeah, Hutch, Hutch does does start doing some research for Rosemary, and uh, <laughs> guy, again, guy gets mad that that Hutch was even over and starts calling him meddling or something like that. Clearly, clearly, this dude's personality is changing. Um, he's becoming a fucking douche. Didn't we cover a movie recently where some where one of the characters had just a major turn, a major flop, flip flop? It was Night of the Demons. It was fucking um Oh yeah, the boyfriend. The boyfriend. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well this this is this is this predates that, so I guess guy's the original asshole. Um Hutch goes into a coma out of nowhere. Well yeah, so the crazy people. Yeah, the crazy thing is 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 this was another interesting part of the movie too, because you could tell Hutch wasn't buying it, so uh, Roman came over to meet Hutch and they chatted for a minute, but yeah, Hutch knew something was up. She gets a call at like 11 o'clock at night and said it was Hutch. And he said, meet me at 11 AM for lunch at whatever. So she goes to meet him and he doesn't show and he doesn't show. And she calls and talks to some chick and he's like, Oh, he fell ill last night. He's in a coma. And they're like, what? So, you know, some shit's going down. Oh, yeah, dude. don't forget about the glove scene, too. Oh, that, yes, that was a neat little plant right there um, for something that comes up later. Whenever Hutch visits uh, the Woodhouse's apartment, he, you know, back then, or maybe even still, I don't know, it, it, this is not a thing where I'm from. People don't have coat closets or whatever. Oh, but, really? Um, I know that. Yeah, really. I know that is a thing. Well, I suppose, some, yeah, you're in the South. Have, up yeah, up north we got fucking coat closets because it's fucking cold. So yeah, and there's also that weird. Some some families do this. To me, it's odd, but it, it is what it is. Everyone will go lay their coat down on a certain piece of furniture or whatever when they come in the house. Like if if you know there ain't a rack or whatever, usually like in a bedroom. I don't know. I, I've I've been to a few 
parties where that was the thing to do. Um, no, we just have oh, we have we have a coat closet and then we have a huge coat rack too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of parties, uh, Rosemary wants to throw one, right? Like that. Yep. That that that's the the next thing here. She she's tired of fucking feeling like shit. She's just in constant pain, uh, very sick, and she's like, "Fuck it!" Against whatever the doctor wants me to do or not do, I'm having friends over, and she also doesn't want the cast of vets to come. No. They're not they're they're not welcome at this party, and she politely makes that known to many like yeah don't worry about coming help or anything like that i'm good and when she said a few friends first time i ever watched this i thought there would just be a few people sitting around no dude no, they're having like, like a full-blown there yeah yeah they're having a fucking shindig no masks and... no social distancing what the fuck <laughs> oh fuck this joke a. is gonna be so irrelevant in a couple of years god i hope so I fucking hope so. Louisiana just went back into phase one lockdown. Here we go again. Um, <laughs> while while the party's wrapping up, um, Rosemary talks to some of her girlfriends, and she finally breaks, and she is letting it out. She's crying, explaining how she feels, and rightfully so, instinctually, as 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 a mother, uh, you know, would. They're like you know, taking care of her. They not, they're not letting guy in the room. Like get the fuck out of here, girl time. And they're telling her, you need to go back to Dr. Hill. You need to figure this out. You're not supposed to be feeling this way at all. Something is wrong. And that is true. Everyone listening out there, if you're having pains and shit like that, and you're pregnant, um, you need to go see about that shit. That's not normal. There, there are issues. So always, if you got raped that. by the devil, then there's probably not much you can do, but no, 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 no. That that you know, that's another thing. It you're that that you're fucked on. Go see Saperstein, just get it over with. Um Agree. Everyone every everyone eventually <laughs> everyone eventually leaves. Saperstein lives matter. No, um and then her her and Guy are having a big argument and she's insisting on going to see Doctor Hill and he's like, Oh, you know, basically like you'd be a rude bitch if you did, which it's like, fuck you, man, that's your wife you stupid asshole but um the pain suddenly goes away like literally like at that second when she's threatening to leave so you're like okay something's up yeah and we we jump cut um to three months later rosemary is doing a lot better physically um she's definitely showing showing yeah yeah and at this point she finds out that um hutch has died unfortunately so he was in his coma and he fucking passed away. But um, before he died, he, he did sort of kind of wake up and he said that he wanted to give Rosemary a book. She gets this book and it's a book on what? Dun, dun, dun. Witchcraft. Witches. So this satanic ass movie also has witches in it, man. Fucking A. I love this shit. This, this is right up my alley. Um, in the book, she finds a message that Hutch left her, and it's just the words, the name is an anagram. So kind of like my, my little Tannis root thing there I was hoping would have been true. She's got a little puzzle to solve, and um, she, she figures out that Roman Castavet is an anagram for Stephen Marcato, uh, the son of the 
of a resident of the Brantford Hotel who was a reported Satanist. So this guy is tied to the devil. And Rose, this Rosemary is just putting all of this together now. The cast of Vets, Dr. Saperstein, um, figuring out that she's been privy to the gatherings of a coven in the neighboring apartment where you hear all the chanting and music coming from. Guy is always going over there too. So, you know, that that that's alarming. But he, he goes ahead and he tells her that she's crazy. Why would they conspire against her? Um, and he puts the book out of reach. He puts it on like a shelf real high, high up that would be dangerous for her to try to go after in her current physical state, you know, having a little fucking baby devil. yeah yeah it's the devil baby but it's still it's the baby you know um <laughs> well she 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 gets super paranoid this is when i think this is uh the traffic scene that you you were talking about right where she she uh, uh she goes i can't remember if it's this to, or when she's like like running away mm. Well, I think that all happens that yeah, like like sort of all together. She packs her shit. She calls she calls um Doctor Hill from a payphone. Talk about talk about this shit being uh dated. If people listen to this show in another fucking ten, fifteen years, even knowing what a payphone is is probably gonna be out of the you know, right. zeitgeist. You know the, um, the funny side tangent, I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but the only payphone I know around that still works is like a mile from where I'm at. There's literally like a, a phone booth up here. <laughs> wow. Yes. A relic. Yes, I um, know. I was like, I need to fucking get pictures with that shit. Uh, kiddos out there, a, a phone booth is how people used to call from a fixed position. But, uh, you know, it's like, you're mobile and you find a phone so you go inside the fucking glass box glass case of emotion the blob you, the blob yeah. featured one too don't forget yeah 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 it had an awesome yeah. that, that 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 scene was pretty cool um so she calls dr hill and she is like explaining this and and asking him you know there are conspiracies right people do conspire and he's like i suppose you can tell he's just like, what in the fuck is going on here? And she wants, she demands to see him a uh, little bit of tension here, man. I know I've missed a lot of little things that I wanted to bring up, but I'm, I'm dead tired. Um, this, this scene though, built a little bit of tension because she's in the phone booth and some guy comes and he's just kind of lingering right in front of the phone booth. And it looks like and a sapper scene from the back. It's it. You're like, who the, okay. Are they following her? It's just building the paranoia, and it it does it does it, to a certain extent start to make you wonder: Is she really going crazy? Because man, these are some far stretches, and you can kind of, based on Guy sort of explaining things, you can sort of write a lot of her 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 thoughts off as like misunderstandings and and, and whatnot. Um, so you don't know. She packs her shit and she heads to Doctor Hill's office. And here she's laying it all out and like she needs help, this, that, and the other. And Dr. Hill's sitting there blankly staring at her. Then he starts writing something down and he tells her, you know, it's going to be all right. We're going to, I'm going to hook you up. Come lay down in this room. It was at that point that I was, I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, he got her. And sure enough, she falls asleep. 
I think there's another dream sequence here. Um, I don't know if there's a dream sequence, but I am a fucking sucker because I was like, sweet, this guy is going to attempt to help her, but it's going to somehow get foiled. I did not expect him to fucking do what he did. I'll tell you that. Oh, dude, the devil's reach is uh, far and wide. He even has little fucking... So Hill, okay, so Hill doesn't work for the devil. I just assumed that I, I assumed that Hill was still a good guy, a good doctor, but he was just like, this chick is fucking nuts. She's pregnant. She's crazy. Like every fucking woman is. I've got two kids. My <laughs> wife can attest to that. Um, so yeah, that that's where I was thinking. I did not in any way think that he was working with Saperstein in any, in, in any way. No, 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 no. You're, you're probably right. Um, they don't, they don't allude to him actually being part of the coven or whatever it, it does. It does come across as he's just like kind of bewildered by her, her fucking thoughts on what's going on to her and the conspiracy she's talking about. And uh, yeah, it, it looks, it does look definitely more like he was just concerned and tried to call the husband and the, the doctor that she's seeing and be like, man, please help her. She, or she's going to have to go to the fucking loony bin. And they threaten her. They threaten her with, with, with as much because after she falls asleep, when she comes to the Saperstein guy, they, they come in and they're like, yeah, you're coming with us. They bring her back to the Brantford. And th- this is, I, I would say like the beginning of the, the sort beginning of long of the- climax yeah, yeah. Because even the climax of this film is a is a slow burn. It's not one particular scene. No, um, I, well, I I would I would disagree and say that it really does ramp up. I mean, even I would say right before she goes over to Hill is when it really starts ramping up. Like this is where you transition from that slow burn into like you're on the edge of your seat. Like what the fuck is going to happen next? Because it's going through you know, the fact that she is leaving, she goes to, to Hill, you're like, what's going to happen with Hill? And then another, like, right when it starts to slow down, you find out the door opens up and it's Saperstein, Guy, and uh, I think it was Roman was there with them as well. They bring her back, they're fucking drug her the whole time, they're basically, like, fucking abducting her, uh, throw her in a car, and she goes back to the house, and then she's pretty much just like locked in and drugged in her own apartment until she gives birth. And she's informed that this baby is a stillborn. So it died. Um, Guy tries to console her telling her that he's going to make it big. He's got some movie deals or something like that. They're going to have a nice house. They're going to have plenty of kids. Don't you worry about it, baby. Don't you worry. And while she's coping with the, you know, loss of her child that she never even got to see, she's being pumped. Yes. So this part <laughs> was done very well because all of a sudden, this is where it really started to draw in some comparisons to Hereditary because there's other people that are coming out of the woodwork that are being involved in this. And they're like almost like nurse like figures, but they're not nurses. You can tell they're just like the friends of guy and Roman basically. But yeah, they're, I thought it was done very well with the breast milk scene where she's starting to be like, okay, what's going on? Why are you needing to pump? 
And then she goes to put a dirty spoon in there like, Oh no, nope, don't do that. And you're like, okay. Uh, the pills as well. You know, I mean, this is really what pissed me off because I was like, I really wish I could have seen this, you know, unfold the way that it did without having any kind of prior mm-hmm. knowledge of what happened. Yeah. She's, she's fucking sh- sh- hiding these pills that they want her to take that, that keep her fucked mm-hmm. up. And um, she starts to hear a baby crying in, again, the neighboring apartment. Um, and guys like, nah, you're, you're crazy. But she totally hears that. Even one of the, I think one of the nurses actually is like, I, I don't hear anything. Don't. Um, and yeah, to me, this was sort of the, I guess I said the slow burn ending because you're right. The tension does ramp up until they abduct her and drug her. And then I feel like her finding out the baby died is like a lull. Not a bad one, just it kind of the movie's taking us like a, a short breath. It does. Before it before it comes full circle to that fucking closet. Um the closet they found at the beginning of the movie is where Rosemary can hear all sorts of people talking and you know goings on happening. Um guys in and out of the apartment, uh, I think he came and got like some champagne or some shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she sees him and she follows the sounds to this closet that they revealed at the beginning of the movie was behind the dresser. Why would that old lady fucking scooch that dresser in front of that door, that closet door? It's because the closet door inside holds another door. And Rosemary enters, and she enters the back half of the Castavet's apartment. And this is the final scene in the film. You see a lot of familiar faces that have kind of been, like you said, going in and out taking care of her or that you've seen at different points in the movie. Um, they're either tenants of the building, but they're all definitely parts of what Rosemary was right about all along. The suspected coven is here and they are celebrating the birth of the devil baby. Yes. They're, they're enjoying, they're enjoying their fucking victory. They're, Rosemary walks in and can't believe what she's fucking seeing. There's a crib completely dressed in all black like curtains hanging down over it and shit uh so it's like a set piece right there and it's in their lavish apartment the castavet's lavish apartment it, the tone is so right right here for me the music the score in this movie at this point is just so trippy and a lot like a, alarming it's like an uneasy it's this i can't i'm not gonna be able to do it justice by replicating it with my voice but it, 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 it just totally fits with Rose. Got, it's got to be Rosemary's confusion and, and, and realization that this shit has actually all been really happening for real. No doubts about it. And her baby is still alive. Her baby has been crying. Her baby's in that black crib. Um, <laughs> um, she, I, she, doesn't she just slap guy like right out? Like he walks up to her and tries to say something. No, I, I, I she, so he was like hiding his face. So she walks in and everybody is like looking at her and guy is sitting down and he's like literally like doing the, like the, the whole, put your arm over your face. Like he's trying to hide from her basically. Um, mm-hmm. And she walks over and, and looks in the, the crib and he, yeah, I, I don't think there's really a confrontation between those two. It's more or less like, she's like, what the fuck is going on? But yeah, no, okay. they do, they do have, well, they do have a little conversation where he's, she, you know, he's like, Hey, he's like, we're going to be able to start over. Our life's going to be whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's trying to justify what he did. 
Oh, she spits in his face. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I knew she did something to him because I was like, yeah, fuck you, dude. Um, yeah, he sold his soul. So guy's going to get all the riches and fame he wants. But yeah, he going to hell. He going to hell for show. So Roman starts, you know, telling Rosemary, like, this is Satan's son. He chose you out of everyone. That They're all chanting shit like, the year is one and hell Satan. As you do, you know, when you have right. the devil baby present. And uh, Laura Louise, one of the other coven characters that you, you've met like once or twice before. She's kind of obnoxious. She's rocking the, uh, I said a crib, but I think it's a bassinet because you, you know, you're rocking the damn thing. And um, the baby's crying. It's upset. Rosemary gets the, you know, she gets the old motherly instinct, man. Yeah, you, she did. She went over and looked at it. I forgot. That's the other, another like great line from the film where she sees the baby for the first time and her reaction is definite shock and 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 fear and she's like it's eyes what have you done to its eyes that's when roman's like this yeah. is the de the devil's baby adrian of course it's adrian um <laughs> but she goes over to the bassinet and roman's like laura louise let rosemary do it be a mother to him rosemary and she starts rocking that bassinet Dude, what does this mean? Where is it going to go from here? We don't know because the movie wraps up like this. Powerfully, in my opinion, um, the ambiguity of what comes next for her being a mother, and, um, uh, definitely being tied to this cult who or coven that seem to have reach and power. You know, it, he's the Antichrist. So this is a, a witch film, a satanic film. Um, art house psychological thriller and ultimately to a, a fucking antichrist movie all involving the devil so we hit a lot of fucking uh, sub sub genres in this one movie alone from wow. 1968 man this movie is a, a fucking it, it is a classic but I think it's also a, uh, a masterpiece to be honest yeah, so I'll go first here and say that I really don't have any real cons that are going to hold any water. They're all personal. Um, well, I mean, technically aren't they all, but it's, it's not the movie's fault. It's just the fact that I don't watch a lot of movies of this era. Um, I mean, I've said this once I've said a hundred times. It's, it's hard to rate movies, you know, that from, for, older movies in general, just because everything is so different. Like you, you're talking about the acting and whatnot as well. I will say that it was a lot better than I thought it. No, not a lot better. It was better than I thought it was. I knew it was going to be a good movie. I, I, there was a lot of things I liked about it. The, the story, this is one of those, I've talked about this just a couple episodes ago where a movie like this, it's, it's knockout punch is the first time you see it. And I think after that, it loses a little bit. I know you're going to disagree with me on this because it's one of your favorites, but movies where they've got these crazy twists and turns and swerves and whatnot at the end, I feel like their knockout punch is really in the first time they see it. That's where you're going to get the most from it. However, this was done very well. We, we talked about everything. Um, I mean, the acting, the set, the, the, I mean, just the directing, the cinematography, the, everything was, was on point. It was where it needed to be. 
I'm, I'm coming in only at an 8.25 on this because nothing of the actual movie, but more so just with the fact that I don't know that there's any movie in this time period I can rate much higher than that. So, I mean, maybe Night of the Living Dead because I'm a zombie fucking nerd. Uh, but I mean, that, that, that is, I feel, I feel like Dave Portnoy, El Presidente doing a pizza review like that, that justified, that's a really high score. You should be dis- disappointed with that. So I, I really think that that's pretty legit high score for me coming into a movie like this. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. No, I'm happy to hear that, man. That is a high score. That's that. And, and you've given it high praise. Yeah. Your cons were just like you said. Um, something that was just a, a nitpick for you, like oh shit, and it 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 was it was because of the times and what they had on hand at that time. Um, looking at them, I don't I don't I the first time I ever watched it years ago, I didn't watch it in a. I I do I do take into account when I watch an older film, like hey, this is gonna be different than something that you're maybe more used to, more modern. Um, but this movie to me still feels fresh. Even though the acting is of, of a certain time, this movie does what any great film should do. It completely engrosses me in its story and atmosphere to the point to where I'm like, I'm hooked every time. And yes, because I'm, I'm more of a rewatch guy, I, I, I agree 100%. If you would go into this not knowing anything about it, the first time would definitely give the most impact. Um, I think with the film's longevity, you find more and more, you see more and more. Every time I watch this movie, I, I get something new out of it. Um, and it's a movie I'm going to watch again and again. I give this movie a 10 out of 10, perfect score. It, 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 man, I don't know. I, I just, I imagine being a person in 1968 and going see this shit. Like, this must have been crazy. Like, oh, crazy yeah. to see and and what again the implications with the ending like oh well the world's fucked now i mean you can only assume uh, again based on the apparent influence that this this coven can have i mean they 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 do curses on people we didn't we didn't come back around and touch on that but uh when hutch had a little bit yeah with his glove yeah that's why i told you i was like hey touch on his glove yeah we kind of did forget about that yeah I glossed over it. Yeah, whenever whenever Hutch uh, goes and visits Guy and Rosemary, one of his gloves goes missing out of the the closet, uh, coat closet. And later on in the film, you find out that the coven got a hold of the glove thanks to Guy. So Guy was not only did he give over his wife to the devil and have a devil baby, a fucking that bastard devil baby, killed one of but, his friends. Yeah, dude. I mean, God damn. You, you're you a ruthless... That's why, again, like one of those character turns, because at first he seems charming and like he's all about giving her what she wants, because she's the one that wants to move into that apartment really bad. She yeah. basically begs him. And, you know, he's like, all right. And uh, that, that, that would also kind of further me to think that maybe it wasn't a plant job. Like, like he wasn't trying so hard to get, because it seems like maybe he would have been like, this is definitely the one, you know, maybe. But I still like your idea that, that he could have been in cahoots with them the whole time. It, you it, know, it, and it, I was just going to say, too, that I'll have to watch this again, and I say that 
and I never do rewatches, but I would have a huge problem if I was able to rewatch this and this part didn't flesh itself out. But if he wasn't in cahoots the whole time, I would have liked to see a lot more because I mean, you have to imagine if he wasn't in cahoots and he moved in and some old guy was like, Hey, if you let us have the devil, fuck your wife, you'll have fame. Any normal person would be like, okay, we're never talking to these people again. So that's why I would like to think that they were in cahoots the whole time. Otherwise, I mean, if it was just something random after they moved in, I don't think the movie did a very good job as far as, as defining that because, again, I mean, if, if, if someone comes up to you and, and says even something close to that, the normal person is going to be like, okay, this guy's a kook. We're never going to talk to them again. Hey, stay away from these people, blah, 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 and that, that didn't happen. So, No. If, and if it did, it would have to change the dynamic of the film because part of the yeah. first-time watch is you are supposed to question whether or not this is really happening. Um, yeah. at least that's the feeling that I, that I got from it when I did first, the first time I did watch it. Cause I didn't know what the movie was about when I, my first viewing. Um, but you're, you're right. What the fuck did Roman say? I have a feeling he must've shown guy something that convinced him or, or, or smooth talked him enough to the point to where he said, Hey, if I can get you what you want, you know, like, like I'll, I'll show my hand first and, yeah, and I mean, you, yeah. you make I agree. Then you make with the vagina, you know? That's right. That's right. So Roman and Minnie, man, fucking creepy old bastards. Rosemary's baby. Boss Tuna gave it a 8.25 out of 10. And T-Boo's coming in hot with a 10 out of 10. Perfection. Um, go check this shit out if you haven't. And if you have, watch it again. Find out more. Agree. And with that, that wraps up part one of episode 29. Stay tuned, folks. We are going to be back here shortly with our next movie, Funny Games. I hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Boom. Mm, That was incredible. Is it good for you? (laughs) I've had better. (laughs) 